You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for February 25th, 2024, the second Sunday in Lent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Good morning again, and good morning to those of you who are streaming with us. Uh, We are in Lent, and we all know that there are times when Jesus simply hammers his followers. There's no way around it. Uh, and he hammers us in a way to make us contend with what he has to say. He doesn't let us off the hook at any point. So today we gather uh, with the disciples, and Peter has just uh, said that uh, Jesus was the Messiah, and now we hear uh, Jesus saying to Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus predicts that he is going to be handed over, he's going to be rejected, and he's going to suffer, and he's going to be killed, and then he's going to rise. And he says, if you want to follow me, you can expect the same. He says, as we all know, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so uh, for the disciples, for those gathered around Jesus, uh, the decision to choose to follow Jesus is life-giving and it is also life-threatening. This is how it was for them. Our Reridas is filled with uh, instruments of death, those disciples who did in fact die for following Jesus. And the same was true for St. Mark's community, which dates to somewhere around 70 AD in Rome, where they were also being killed. But once Jesus starts down this path, he is not soft and squishy. He hammers home for spiritual arguments uh, in, in defense or uh, to make us uh, deal with his call to the cross. And his first is, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. So uh, this teaching of Jesus, which comes in many of the Gospels, uh, is, is the spiritual paradox, which is at the heart of all spiritual life, which is to say, the more you give, the more you get. Uh, some of you have heard me preach in the past with reference to a book written by a friend of mine, Stephen Post, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. And the first sentence of his book is, If there was one word that I could bring to heaven, it would be give. Jesus also speaks of this in the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus is quoted once in the Acts of the Apostles, and it is the quotation, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And what he is talking about is in giving, we build spiritual currency, we build spiritual assets. So his second argument uh, is... Uh, more clearly about uh, the temporal world versus the eternal world. And we get the argument in economic and legal terms. He's talking about accounting. He's talking about a spiritual profit and loss statement uh, that is being examined in the courts of eternity. And he says, for what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Now, some of you may remember the previous translation, uh, uh, to forfeit uh, their soul. Those are interchangeable words here. The word for world in Greek is cosmos. So what, would, what, what do you gain if you get the whole cosmos? You get it all. Uh, 
which is countered by the word forfeit. Uh, the word forfeit in Greek is a particular meaning which means to lose by penalty. In other words, this is in the eternal courts, this is the judgment that is brought against you. This is what you have to pay. And what Jesus is saying is that if you choose the world, and you get it all, you get, you get it all, you get the whole cosmos, you get it all, and what the loss for getting that is, is everything. Your loss is complete. You have lost your soul. You are bankrupt. You are spiritually dead. And he continues to hammer this argument home when he says, for indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Now remembering again that the currency that he's talking about is spiritual, and he is saying that you are spiritually bankrupt, you're, you're broke, insolvent, penniless, uh, ruined, destitute, forlorn, every word that the thesaurus can produce, cleaned out. You have nothing in your soul to pay the divine investment in you. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is that if you give your life to get it all, wham, I'm going to get it all, I'm going to go to the top of the heap, he is saying that your life is a bust. You have wasted it. You have invested in the wrong thing. And just as Jesus often does, he hammers his argument home from an apocalyptic perspective. You may remember that during Jesus' day, apocalypse, Jewish apocalyptic spirituality was, was in the water of things, so to speak. And he says, the fourth argument, for those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So what Jesus is talking about here is karma, what would be known as karma in another part of the world. In other words, you are going to feed on, we are going to feed on that which we have done in our lives. And if we are ashamed, or don't pick this up, we will spend our eternity in a type of shame. What he is talking about is that when you look in to the mirror of divinity, of divine being, of, of God who is love, and you look at your soul, which is the accumulation of how you spent your life, it is possible to be deeply ashamed of how you have spent your life. Now, as many of you know that today to follow Jesus is life-giving, but for many, it is also life-threatening. Uh, it is, in certain parts of the world, definitely true that to follow Jesus means you will face persecution and the possibility of death. I'm going to read a few statistics about this in a moment, but just to say that uh, statistics about persecution and human rights are, are difficult to come by. The areas of the world, the governments that conduct or permit these abuses hide their actions, so it's hard to come up with these statistics. And also, it's important to note that all religions face persecution. Just take a look at uh, anti-Semitism in our country and in the world. Take a look at Islamophobia in our country and in the world. 
uh, and establishing a degree of violence and discrimination and coercion, all this stuff, these are estimates. But the estimates I'm going to give to you are the conservative estimates that are out there from the organizations that keep these. And they say this, that last year, 365 million Christians were persecuted or discriminated against for their faith. That's one in seven Christians worldwide, one in five in Af Africa, two in five in Asia. And they estimate that 322 Christians are killed every month for their faith, 214 churches are destroyed, and 772 followers of Jesus suffer some form of violence, whether it's a beating or a kidnapping or a rape, a rape or arrest every month. And the Pew Research poll has shown that the number of countries where Christians experience harassment has grown to 77% of the countries that they analyze, and they analyze just short of 200 countries. And as you all know, persecution is much worse if you are a woman or you have a different gender identity uh, in these areas. So, what about the rest of us? Uh, what about those of us who live in New Canaan, Connecticut, uh, and are, do not suffer persecution for our faith? 90% of the world's 2.3 billion Christians live in countries where Christianity is the majority. So I have, I have two thoughts about how we might think about Jesus' call to the cross and what to do with this. And the first has to do with connectivity. The persecuted peoples of the world, those who are persecuted and dying and being beaten or, or raped for their faith, want us all to know about their plight. They do not want to suffer in silence or suffer alone. Many of you who have been here uh, at St. Mark's for some time might remember the year that we had Bishop Mano Ramushula uh, visiting with us. He came and visited with us twice. He was the then former bishop of Pakistan, and uh, Bishop Ramushala, a beautiful man, was studying at Yale. He brought me the coolest Taliban hat, which I really wish I had worn this morning outside. But while he was preaching, he told some incredibly painful stories, one of which was of a church called the Church of the Holy Spirit, which was one of his parishes, where on a particular Easter, uh, 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 a man came with a machine gun, several men with machine guns came and they killed 26 people during the Easter liturgy. And he said to us that these people want you to know this. They want you to know that they are following the literal words of Jesus and they are paying for it with their life. And he reminded us that St. Paul, who talks about the body of Christ, like it's a human body, noted that when one part suffers, we all suffer together. And Rowan Williams, uh, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, was giving a series of lectures at the Berkeley Divinity School at Yale this past week. And I heard two-thirds of the lectures, and I, but I know what he was going to talk about in the last lecture. The topic of his lectures was solidarity. And what he was getting toward was that solidarity in the body of Christ is a mystical communion, that we are joined together on the plane of eternity with one another, 
we do not exist with our faith in a spiritual vacuum. The second point, perhaps the key to understanding uh, this question of uh, take up your cross and follow me, uh, for those of us who live in countries where we are not persecuted, might find uh, a place for us to make sense out of it in the phrase, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. As Jesus said, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Okay, we all know, if we've thought about our lives, that we're all living for something, and we're all dedicating our lives to something, and we're all serving something, someone. And uh, all I can think of, of course, is Bob Dylan's song, Gotta Serve Somebody. Those of you who are old enough will remember when Bob Dylan became a Christian, and I, I can't remember the train running or something was the cover of the man with the cross hammering in the train track, but the, the song on that album that made the big deal was Gotta Serve Somebody. So when you go home in your car, pull it up on your Spotify account and listen to it, and I'm sorry he's not here to sing it, couldn't get him on the phone, uh, but it goes, I'll just read you the first two verses, and you can hear Bob Dylan's voice in your head. You may be an ambassador to England or France, you may like to gamble, you might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. He's right, we're all serving somebody. And Jesus takes out the hammer and he hammers his followers because he knows if we live for Jesus, if we live for the sake of his gospel, if we live for the way of love that he teaches, then we will have a spiritual currency that never fades away. Moth and rust cannot destroy this currency. Mortality cannot destroy this currency. To live for Jesus and to live for his way is to garner and to gain the greatest asset of all, which is a spiritual treasure that is greater than death. That's what Jesus is trying to hammer home in us. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.